This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds and Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash register. That's R-E-Y, slash register. I'm Jason Stein, publisher of Automotive News, and this is Daily Drive for Thursday, May 13th. It's no secret that the road has been a little uneven for Aston Martin over the course of the last couple of years. An attempt to revive the company and raise capital through the markets, alongside a goal to expand into the lifestyle market, created a good measure of difficulty for the once prestigious sports car brand. A management shakeup, slow sales, and a lack of clarity on purpose prompted one prominent British car magazine to pen a top 10 to-do list to the automaker last summer. Among the items listed, Review the brand's core values and forward models to ensure alignment with buyers' desires. Other items on the to-do list were just as pointed. It was a perfect scenario for a change in leadership, this time led by a former Mercedes guy with a boatload of experience on the AMG side of the business. Tobias Merz has rolled up his sleeves, set a direction, and created a purpose, promising flawless execution with the new DBX, a clearer vision for the brand, and a renewed sense of hope. New shareholder Lawrence Strahl is watching closely, and not just in the pits, where Aston Martin has returned with a Formula One car. Tobias has plenty on his plate, and by the looks of it, he's ready to roll. It is a pleasure to talk to you, Tobias. How are you today? <laughs> well, thanks very much. Um, pleasure to talk to you, and um, busy day as always. <laughs> busy day as always. You've had a series of busy days uh, uh, over the course of what will be almost a year, uh, unbelievably, in a few months that you've been in your role. Tell me, I guess, first and foremost, how the year has gone for you and and maybe how your priorities have changed as the year has gone along. Obviously, starting in a new position during the midst of a global pandemic, not ideal, but I know you've you've tried to adjust well. <clears throat> yeah, it was <clears throat> the situation was really, really a bit odd uh, because I started in August and we had no lockdown, I think, in August, but it came back then very rapidly. And then, yeah, but <clears throat> now we're doing good. You know, I came in in August and, and <clears throat> assessed a bit of the business, how we do it, how we run our business, how we run our, our operational side. And, and by October, we, we set up a program um, to get the company in a different place, uh, in a better place as well. Um, and it touches almost most important two sides of the company and two sides of the business. Um, it is it is regarding our operation and when I talk about operation that, that that's everything. That's uh, inbound logistic till outbound logistic and how we assemble cars and everything kind of related to lower the break even of the company. Well um, and uh, that started in October, and since December we are in the, in the execution of that program. And on the other side, we, we, we created a, a program strategy plan. Now, how are we going to roll out the program? How the program is supposed to look like? Uh, just you know, mention a facelift of our sports car program using DBX and the platform of a DBX for, for improving our portfolio as well and, and get to a larger portfolio in, in regards to that. Yeah, and, and changing the company. Yeah, and, and now the company, I think, is in, in, another, in, a, in a different place than when I came in. It's much more energetic and, and everything we did regarding, regarding manufacturing and, and assembly 
Um, we said four weeks, for example, we, for four weeks ago, we shut it down one, one assembly line here. We put all our sports cars on one assembly line and, and, you know, it works quite well, much better than before. Uh, and much more efficient. And when we talk about efficiency, we talk about 30, 35, 40, 45% of efficiency gain across, across the company. And that's good. Yeah. And, and we're going to, another example, we're going to shut down the paint shop in, in Gaten. And we're going to bring all the cars down to St. Athens because we have a brand new paint shop in, in St. Athens with a capacity much more than 10,000 cars a year. And it makes sense for us. We, we, we save energy. And, and the paint job has to be, you know, you, you have to operate a paint job on, on a high load. Stop and go is, is that's the enemy of every paint job. Uh, and, and, and that's going to be much more efficient in the future. And that's, that journey started as well. You have had to battle numerous um, uh, elements of the, of the industry that have, in most cases, would be unanticipated. Let, let's talk about uh, semiconductors. Let's talk about chips for a moment because everybody is talking about chip shortages. How is it affecting Aston Martin? Sometimes it's good to be really small. <laughs> so, yeah, we monitor that closely, but at the moment I don't see anything at the horizon. Really, uh, it, it's okay-ish for us. Mercedes is helpful uh, providing us the NAF system and the things, and everybody knows that we need these numbers, and it's, you know, we talk about 40 units a day. It's not so many. When you look at um, logistical issues or even supplier issues, are you unaffected by some of those other things that, that larger manufacturers are now uh, struggling with? Not at the moment. I, I know I know raw material is, is kind of an issue for many. But at the moment, we even Brexit, you know, we, we had some hurdles at the very first beginning of Brexit just because some small suppliers coming from Europe did, did they did have some. They didn't. They did have had some problems with the paperwork, but even that is gone. And so since in April, we have no additional cost regarding Brexit anymore, and the, the addition cost before in January, February, and March was really minor. Um, no, it, it, it is really good to be small in, in this perspective. Sometimes it's it's not that great, but therefore and. Related to the pandemic, it was not an issue at all as well. So we have faced some small, minor issues. But as well, the company, we did great during the pandemic. You know, we were engineering is kind of back in the offices since, since uh, two weeks after Christmas. And, and we have been in the offices in October as well. So um, and we are we're serving as a role model for NHS, uh, how you run an assembly, how we run engineering. And we can sit here together because we just had the COVID tests. So everybody performs two to three COVID tests a week. So it, it is okay. It's every, everywhere is similar situation, but I think we're doing not so bad with that. There was a prominent uh, British car magazine that had uh, listed out a 10-point action plan uh, for you before you started or at the time that you started. Number one on that mm-hmm. list was to ensure that the DBX is absolutely perfect before deliveries begin. Tell us about the rollout. Um, how has it gone? Are sales picking up? The rollout is doing well. You know, I, I came first when I still was employed by Mercedes or by AMG um, with, with, with the allowance of Ola, for sure. Uh, I asked him for permission uh, to see DBX because that was crucial for me back in the days. 
And yeah, we, we stopped then the ramp up. Uh, I came into the plant, saw the cars, and uh, we, we had a good discussion about that. We stopped the ramp, ramp up, fixed some issues, and then we moved it into a quality-led ramp up. And that pays off a lot. And we see, we see still decreasing quality numbers, and it's really great. So yeah, the feedback what we got from the marketplace, from customers, and, and foremost from our dealerships, because they always perform kind of a pre-delivery inspection, um, it is good. It is good. Uh, I don't want to go in these phrases like the best the, the best ramp up ever. Uh, I, I, that's not what I want to go. But it it, it is really good ramp up, uh, and it's well perceived by customers, and it's doing good on the marketplaces as well. How much does the DBX account for global sales at the moment, and how high could that percentage become? You know, it's at the moment it's so in the ballpark 50% and I think it's, it's going to stay there yeah? that's kind of the strategic perspective uh, yeah um, you know quarter by quarter it's 900% more in, 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 in China it's more than 300% more sales in, in North America it's 100% more sales in Europe so as kind of expected yeah? as the DBX becomes more established where does that leave Aston Martin's sports cars? Are, are they still going to remain a focus for the brand? Yeah, absolutely, because Aston Martin is supposed to be a sports car brand. And as I mentioned before, I think we're we going to keep 50%. You know, we, we, we brought a pro- projection for the future, uh, 24 slash 25, 10,000 vehicles, be 9,000 or 11 or 12,000, doesn't matter at the moment, 2 billion to over and, and 500 million EBITDA. I think that's really reasonable, and, and in the 10,000 number, probably a DBX and variants out of the DBX. So we still have high, high volume with sports cars, which are supposed to be traditional sports cars and mid-engine programs. What types of variants could we be looking for in the future out of the DBX? Uh, we are really creative in, 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 in doing that. You, <laughs> know. you can think, you can think Essen as a brand is really broad, yeah? Aston can serve in a very luxurious environment as well in a very very sporty performance-oriented environment. Valkyrie is, is a good example for that. And you can think DBX very similar. You can bring DBX in a much more luxurious form or, or, or environment, and you can bring it even more sporty. And we're really great in creating, you know, bespoke body styles and, you know, the company created a platform, a new platform for an SUE. And normally, from outside perspective, that's that's maybe not reasonable because other companies they share the platform with many brands. But Aston, and this is one of the really great advantages of Aston Martin, and that's the, where the competency lies, is great in create in create these body styles and even long wheelbase. You can think about wheelbase. You can think about more space, which brings you more in the luxurious environment. So. This is the creativity, and that creativity is unleashed. We'll hear more from Tobias Mers after this message. Consumers today are pushing for remote and virtual experiences. What you may think is a simple fix by going fully online quickly results in an even bigger problem, loss of control and shrinking profit margins. The question isn't if you go online, it's how. How is it done in a way that you don't sacrifice the success of your overall dealership? The answer? Tune in starting May 17th for a virtual summit hosted by Reynolds & Reynolds. You will gain educational insight into all things digital retail, challenges to the status quo, 
how to retail anywhere without sacrificing anything, and the true impact on dealerships just like yours through one-on-one dealer conversations. This event is on us and on demand. Grab a seat while they last. We hope to see you there. To register for the virtual summit and learn more about retail anywhere, visit reyrey.com slash register. That's R-E-Y, R-E-Y dot com slash register. To be a, so much talk of electrification um, and um, uh, seemingly on a weekly basis, we get proclamations from automakers about how they're changing their lineup. Aston Martin has a tradition of building vehicles that deliver sensations that you just don't get in other brands of luxury performance cars. But how is a silent running electric Aston Martin going to appeal to the brand's loyal buyers who frankly love that well-tuned sound of an Aston Martin exhaust? Yeah, you know, it is. That's very similar to everybody, I think. Um, you know, I have a clear my, my, my theory behind electrification or elect when it comes to bath in, in our environment. I have a clear understanding that you know our luxurious buyer they they they're looking and for, the, for these people sustainability plays a major role for the future going forward. And then I think in our segment or when it comes to electric vehicles. The brand is even more important than ever before. And the experience around the brand, I don't want to take ecosystem into that, but it's kind of that. Yeah? Um, the brand sp- plays a much more uh, important role than ever before. And yeah, for sure, you have to provide an experience when you drive the car, but it's not given that you don't get any sense or feeling in a car, which is when, when it comes to electric drive. Yeah, You need, you need kind of a it must be touchy for you if you drive a performance-oriented uh, electric drive, and you can do that. And, and this is where we raise some thoughts, and I'm, I probably know how we're going to get there. I'm not scared about that because I think that that's going to provide us an excellent future. And for sure, the next generation sports cars. You know, we, we have the sports cars now a while. That generation, uh, we're going to apply a facelift, which have some major changes, and then the next generation. I think supposed to be electric drive. Let's talk a little bit about Formula One. Um, Aston Martin has obviously re-entered the circuit, uh, and and in so many ways is is spreading the brand. Even the official safety vehicles uh, at some races have been Aston Martins. What effect has that had on marketing and and maybe the brand as a whole? That's a really cool journey at the moment, yeah, because uh, weekend of Bahrain. Um, so our, our website broke down on, on, on Bahrain uh, because we never had that many travel on, on our website and on our configurator. We fixed it. <laughs> but, you know, I saw that before with another brand. You, know, you, you move into more sportier perception of, of our customer clients. Brand awareness is, is increasing China, Europe. Um, you know, it's, it's, we had many discussions over the weekend about the Netflix, you know, um, and that that helps a lot to increase as well awareness about about Formula One and brands, and I think that's even in North America, which I didn't know, eh? but somebody told me that about the weekend, and, and that's really great. And the brand awareness, and it gives us a different level. You know, you reach out to 80 million people over the weekend, and and you have the opportunity to perform not at the moment due to the COVID restriction, but in future hopefully. 
you have the you have the ability to perform a, a bespoke event with 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 very special customers it gives us a lot of opportunities and it's at the moment it's due to the reason that Rowan's help owns the, the race team privately and is on the other side our major investor um, the cost for the business at Aston Martin here is not more than it has been before he's actually featured somewhat prominently in Drive to Survive uh, through several episodes here this season how involved is Lawrence Stroll in the management of Aston Martin well Lawrence is here almost one day a week yeah and then we discuss about strategy and, and the marketing and the brand side. Yeah. That that's what he's interesting. And yeah, for sure, we run as it as it should be. Is the chairman of the board, the executive chairman of the board. So we run the financial updates with him and and but operational wise, you know, how we engineer the car, what we're gonna do on the operation side as well. In manufacturing, this is run by us. But it's a good exchange, and I, I learn a lot about that luxurious environment. For me, it's, it's helpful as well. You know the Mercedes team well, having spent 25 years at Daimler. Can you describe the working yeah. relationship between Aston and Daimler? And and does that need to widen? Does that relationship need to widen or, or, or strengthen in any in any way? No, it, it's more stronger than ever before, I think. You know, with, with the new technology transfer agreement we signed last year in October, it's, it's, it's a totally different leverage for us. So I think it's good, and they're uh, they going to move up when it comes, and they provide an electric drive platform as well. So then they are 20% investor in us. Uh, that's, that's great, and it's a good relationship. I think it's better than ever before. I, it is better than ever before. Should we think that technology, design, and engineering only flows from Daimler to Aston, or does Aston help Mercedes-Benz on some of its own projects? At the moment, I think it's just one way. Uh, probably it could be different in, in the future, but you know, don't, we should not overestimate ourselves at the moment. Yeah? So we have to keep up and, and see what comes. Let me ask about your dealer network in North America. How do you anticipate continuing to work with them in order to execute the strategy that you talked about at the at the outset here? You know, we have it's not it's not specially linked to North America. I know exactly what's what's gonna happen in twenty end of twenty two, beginning of twenty three, and we have to prepare our network for that. Uh, and and th- there's a need for preparation because we still have legacy situation in some places. And uh, we have to create a momentum. And that's not just North America, that's everywhere. In Europe, we are a bit faster at the moment because I just recently appointed a new head of uh, head of uh, Europe. But we did better there before uh, as well. So we have a new leadership in Europe, many new leaderships as well. So four or five new leaderships in, in, in Europe now, taking over Aston Martin. And, you know, there was a need, you know, Laura uh, left the business in November. It took a time to, 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 to find somebody, and, and now we're going to start to deploy that in, in, in North America as well. Yeah. But we have to prepare our dealer network for that, for the upcoming journey. One final thing, um, as, as part of the 10-point action plan that was laid out for you in the magazine article, one of them was to, for you to review the brand's core values and forward models to ensure that there was alignment with your buyer's desires. Do you feel you're there yet? Yeah. 
No, because you kind of changed the things overnight, but but we got to get there. That's what I know. Yeah. Everything what, what is in the pipeline is exactly attached to that point. There was no need to get that points written down in, in, in 10 single items because that was my, my assessment assessment was really similar. You know, advantage, we, we know the strengths and the weakness of advantage. And we changed that. Wonderful. Tobias, it's been a, a pleasure to uh, talk to you. We wish you, of course, all the best of luck on your on your journey going forward. Thanks very much. And that's Daily Drive for Thursday, May 13th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And for a library of more than 300 interviews, go to autonews.com slash daily drive. We'll be back Friday. <laughs>